Welcome to the To Faithful Men podcast. This project started in 2006 to preserve old sermon and study tapes of Wiley Flanagan, Hassel Wallace, and Mike Strevel. 2 Timothy 2.2 says, And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. The second seal is uh, a red horse. He says, And when he opened the second seal, I heard the second uh, angel or living creature, living one, say, Come. And there went out another horse, red. And power was given to him that sat thereon to take peace from the earth and that they should kill one another. And there was given unto him a great sword. All right, it's easy to see that uh, if uh, we're fixing to see the unfolding of history, <coughs> where wherein the church of God, God's people are going to have to conquer, are going to be engaged in a war, in a battle, unto the very end, and then in the, at the same time there is going to be a worldly ruler, a, a rider coming forth that is going to take peace from the earth. Now you see there's nothing said about peace being taken from the earth in the first seal because uh, because he he wasn't a, he wasn't a violent sword, uh, but now this one has a sword. And, uh, he, and he kills. They kill one another. And there was given unto him a great sword. See? He takes peace from the earth. Red. Color of blood. Color of the, red. The color of the earth. Uh, battle. Now, the, uh, uh, uh to all who believe that, uh, the, uh, that this represents history until the coming of Christ, and that Christ won't come till the 19th chapter or afterwards because uh, post-millennials don't believe Christ comes till the 20th chapter. The 19th chapter, uh, where Christ, where the person rides a white horse, that's the final conquest to the post-millennialist. That's simply the, 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 the day when the church will completely evangelize the world and the world will become subject to Christ and then Christ returns in the 20th chapter. Well, what does the, uh, notice then, uh, if this represents bloodshed, if this represents wars and rumors of wars and battles and blood, peace destroyed from the earth. Now, if you're, uh, if you interpret on the basis of a historical view, then you would have to say that this earth is the Roman earth. And that's what they do. They don't let the word earth refer to, to the whole habitable earth today. But they confine this battle to the uh, ter territory of Rome. And it's a battle uh, between uh, the people that come against Rome. And that Rome has to fight. And that uh, the consequent group, the consecutive group, says that 
Uh, it's a civil war in Rome. The, uh, the continuous, simultaneous interpretation of these seals says that, uh, uh, that, uh, that it represents different uh, countries like the Saracens, the Turks, and uh, the Gaul, uh, the Goths coming against Rome in, in their battle. Well, now how is a postmillennialist going to interpret this? If the man says that the world's going to be world's going to be evangelized, and here comes a man, a writer, that's taken peace from the earth and has a sword to kill. Well, uh, how is he going to evangelize the world? All right, uh, to them, uh, the uh, the conqueror, the writer, is just the opposite. Uh, this is a uh, a spiritual war, and uh, it's the man, the, the writer, is the preacher, the missionary. He's going forth to make war, and he takes peace from the earth, but he does it according to the directions of Christ. Uh, when Christ said that he came not to bring peace, but a sword. He came to set uh, people, uh, mother against daughter, father against son, see, and brother against brother, uh, and and says that that's the peace that's taken from the earth. That whenever the gospel is preached, you either uh, the uh, some will be converted and some will be hardened, and they say that that's uh, what this means here. You want to. All right. Uh, and let me let me read uh, Acts. Now remember in Acts sixteen, uh, verse sixteen, you have a story about the damsel that uh, was making uh, her master's money by her ability to uh, prophesy or to, to tell fortunes or whatever she was engaged in. Well, uh, when the, when her ability to do that was uh, taken from her through Paul, why the man got mad, see? And oh, he just raises, a, uh, he raises all sorts of cane. All right, now that's what the postmillennialist says that this second seal is. The second writer, uh, they say it's a preaching of the gospel. So in the 19th chapter of Acts, uh, there, there was a man by the name of Demetrius who uh, made uh, idols, you know, of the goddess Diana, and he sold those relics, and that was one of their chief, chief livelihoods. And uh, not only that, but Paul, according to Demetrius, had boy, he had made some uh, very uh, uh, bad. Uh, charges against Diana, said he was no god at all, you know. And uh, so if, if they left him alone, why, the whole country was going to, why, they, they'd uh, believe him, you know, that he was going to injure them. And because all Asia held Diana in high esteem, not only Asians, but the whole world, he said. All right? Now, postman, let's cite that as causing, taking peace from the earth. And, uh, and to explain their view concerning 
the second seal. Uh, so, uh, but now, you would have to, somebody would have to tell you that before you'd, you'd read that in, into it. Because the natural flow of this thing is, he, uh, he's, uh, coming. He has power to take peace from the earth that they should kill one another. Now, uh, Jesus didn't uh, teach by Matthew 10, 34, uh, that father ought to kill the son or the son or the mother, the daughter. See, not at all. But here, this writer uh, has power, you see, uh, to kill. Take uh, uh, that they should kill one another, and there was given unto him a great sword. Well, I believe that that represents a sword of a human warfare, military might and power. All right, then uh, verse five, we have the third seal, and when he had opened the third seal, I heard the third beast say, "Come." talking to the rider on the third horse. And I beheld, and lo, a black horse. And he that sat on him had a pair of balances in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts say, A measure of wheat for a penny, and three measures of barley for a penny. And see thou hurt not the oil and the wine. All right, uh, this, uh, no doubt, represents a famine. And every interpretation, uh, by whatever uh, background, recognize that it's a famine. But again, according to the system, whether you're a post or pre-millennialist, if you're a post-millennialist, you say this represents a spiritual famine, if you're a premillennialist, you say it represents a literal famine. All right, now let's look first at the, the at the premillennial view, at the view that what seems to teach. Uh, Leviticus chapter twenty-six uh, and, and verse and verse twenty-six. Uh, and when. I have broken the staff of your bread. Ten women shall take your bread in one oven, and they shall deliver you your bread again by weight, and ye shall eat and not be satisfied. All right, Ezekiel uh, chapter 14, verse 21. Now, in Leviticus 26, 26 there, you uh, have a reference to a famine. You, the man, uh, it's being weighed, food, grain is being weighed. Now, notice that this third uh, rider has a balance in his hand. And uh, all that a, a man that has to work a day for uh, enough bread. In other words, he gets a penny. Uh, in, those, in those days, that was the salary 
that the average working man received for a day's work, according to Matthew 20. That uh, he, he, all he got for a day's work was uh, uh, one measure of, of uh, wheat or three of barley. In other words, I, it'd take him that measure was, uh, he could eat, that was his day's ration for just one man. Well, if the man was married, had a wife and children, well, he never got to buy any wheat. All he could buy was barley. Well, he'd buy three times as much, see? He could buy uh, enough to feed three persons. Well, if there was more in the family, well, they had to just eat less. Uh, so, uh, the picture in, uh, in Leviticus is the picture of uh, weighing uh, weighing out the bread, see, because uh, because of the famine. Uh, then in Ezekiel fourteen, verse twenty-one, uh, if I haven't got, one, I can't get the page now. For for thus saith the Lord God, how much more when I send my sword judgments upon Jerusalem, the sword and the famine and the noisome beast and the pestilence to cut off uh, from it and man. Well, that's not the reference I, I really wanted. I wanted uh, a reference that also showed again another reference uh, in the scripture that I that slipped my mind right now uh, that uh, well it's Ezekiel 4 9 that's what it is uh, instead of 14 21 it's Ezekiel Ezekiel 4 9 I think it, uh, there's other references in the scripture that shows where in the time of famine their food was weighed and the corn they bought it by by weight. <clears throat> Take thou also unto thee wheat and barley and beans and lentils and millet and fitches and put them in one vessel and make the bread thereof according to the number of the days that thou shalt lie upon thy side. Three hundred and ninety days shalt thou eat thereof. And thy meat which thou shalt eat shall be by weight twenty shekels a day. And then verse 16, uh, Son of man, behold, I will break the staff of bread in Jerusalem. That means he'll bring a famine upon Jerusalem. And they shall eat bread by weight and with care. And they shall drink water by measure and with astonishment that they may want bread and water and be astonished one with another and consume away for their iniquity. In other words, well, now that's enough to show uh, that uh, what the balances represent here. Uh, I beheld and lo a black horse and he that sat on him had a pair of balances in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts say, a measure of wheat for a penny, and three measures of barley for a penny. And see thou hurt not the oil and the wine. 
Now, the, the oil and the wine, oil is the only uh, item mentioned that's really a, a, an item of luxury. Wine, uh, you can, uh, through the references in the scriptures, you can, Deuteronomy 7, 13, uh, it links the, the fruit and uh, of the children of Israel, uh, their major crops consisted of bread and, uh, and the grain, the barley, wheat, barley, and wine. God says, I will prosper you. I will multiply your wine and your barley and your bread. And all through uh, the, uh, the, the book of Deuteronomy especially, when uh, uh, when Moses was giving the law, explaining the law to the young generation, because the other older generation that had heard the law in Exodus 19, they'd all dead. Moses is talking to a young generation now, about to go, uh, about to be led over the Jordan by uh, Joshua, and uh, but he reminded them that if they obeyed the Lord, that God would bless their land and, uh, and give them plenty of wheat and plenty of barley and wine and oil. Now, the oil came from the, uh, of course, the olive uh, trees. And uh, uh, during a drought, during a famine, while the olive tree, by its roots being deeper in the ground, would, it would last longer than than corn or any other uh, grain fruit. So uh, the <clears throat> the admonition was to hurt not. Now many people see that uh, that uh, the rich not being hurt as bad as the poor, and that's true. The uh, uh, the poor man uh, uh, and first place uh, is hurt in the in the very barren necessities uh, in a time of a famine if a man's got a lot of money and if we today if if a man had a lot of money and a famine occurs depression occurs why well, then he would be in good shape it would be the man that didn't have anything see the poor man that just have to live from day to day uh, on his daily wage uh, that would be really hurting because if the man had money if there was any food at all, why well, he could buy. It would have to be a, actually the uh, the scarcity of food, not the inflation, not the price of it that would affect him so bad. But James uh, told us that uh, the Lord would take care of the rich one day. Anyway, well, now then, uh, now that's the way. Uh, this is seen as a literal famine. This is seen as a time of. Uh, the time is coming when uh, people are going to have a hard time getting bread, see, getting something to eat. Uh, and the joy is represented by the wine, which was the drink of Palestine, of course, uh, when uh, their, their staple food crops would be, it would be hard, hard to get. Well, <clears throat> I believe that to represent the literal conditions of famine on the earth. But the post-millennialist sees a different picture here. 
uh, to uh, to coincide. Is that with, all family business? That just a um, different than your belief now about that. Yeah, this didn't have any, any special time. Special time. Yeah, any special famine or time of great well, famine or well, it will be. It'll be when I think that this uh, uh, second rider, the rider on uh, on uh, see on this uh, red horse. Yeah. Well, now that's when uh, that's when we're going to have. Uh, that's going to describe the time uh, that could almost be at all, any minute now, as far as that's concerned. In other words, uh, the whole world is on edge with reference to the atomic bombs and hydrogen bombs and all of these things. What if Russia uh, let loose some of them, see, or some other nation, Castro down here, if he gets those, and he's got enough to say, uh, and they admit they've even seen them, uh, enough down there to knock, uh, wipe the whole eastern part uh, of the United States off of the map. Uh, well, uh, someday these bombs are gonna let loose and we, we see them in the sixth seal. I think they come in the sixth seal, but now I think these seals, uh, and the trumpets and the vials, I think you'll have a progression of, of intensity, uh, in, in the world conditions. Uh, and it's gonna follow the Lord, the 24th chapter of Matthew. Now you're going to have beginnings of sorrows. That's that's under the first seal. That's during it's the same time that the gospel is being preached. While it takes primary notice of the gospel, there's still the beginning, see, of, of sorrows. And uh, the red horse rider is depicting the age of when nations have already broken all their contracts, their covenants with one with the other, and there'll be war. And then the result of that is going to be a universal famine in the land. Well, look at the countries now. The United States are called upon to feed uh, the foreign countries. See, the and uh, China. That's uh, that's the only reason why China uh, agreed. Of course, she got a good bargain as far as that's concerned. Because whenever she gets ready, she'll take over Taiwan. But uh, but uh, the population of China is so great. And they're still living, uh, uh, working uh, uh, in 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 much of their territory after the old uh, methods of plowing, pulling a an ox, pulling an old wooden plow, planting their food, and they're living that way. And uh, well, the leaders they won't. Uh, they, they the only reason why they wanted United States is the agricultural know-how. They want that. They, of course, they want the weapons too. But uh, they, they're after food. They've got to. They've got to live before they can fight. And I think that was one of the main, uh, the two main things that uh, that caused this diplomatic change. Of course, they've been working on that for several years. Now, uh, on, but now this third famine. Now, how's a post-millennialist? Post-millennialist can't see anything that looks dark there. He can't see a day coming while the world's getting better and better. Uh, and uh, uh, it's getting more humanized, more civilized, and more Christianized all the time. So what is this famine? They say it's a famine, all right. 
But they say it's a famine of the gospel. That the gospel is being dished out. little. They're only getting a little bit at a time. See, And they say that they point out uh, that this is papacy. That the Pope uh, and Roman Catholicism. That, and also uh, religion in uh, the Protestant world that charges for everything that they give them. And uh, they say that, uh, you see, the Catholics, uh, they charge, uh, make a, a charge on uh, baptizing a, a child. It's customary you give so much at their baptism. Well, when you get married, you've got to pay so much to get married in Catholic Church. See? All right, then uh, if you get sick and you go to the hospital, well, you're expected to pay the priest for every trip that he makes to the hospital. And, uh, and every funeral that he conducts. Why, of course, you, they, they dole out a little gospel, but they expect a lot of money for it, see? And it's a famine, they say, a spiritual, post-millennialist describes it, uh, as a spiritual famine, uh, of, of preaching the gospel. They just get a little bit, uh, and have to pay a high price, uh, for a little wheat, nine in. They also interpret this along the line of the four soils of the parable, you know, the different kinds of soil. And uh, that you only get a, uh, a little comparatively of the good. Well, they, uh, they take it on uh, and say that for a little money, well, you know, they'll pray for them for the prayers. You have to pay them, pray for the dead that has gone to purgatory. Why, uh, it's a famine. Uh, what little truth they give them. It's at a high prices. Well, uh, you see, they've got to, uh, this thing's got to agree with the system. Uh, however you interpret, whatever system you adopt, that's the reason why I emphasized at the beginning, uh, whatever, uh, from your study of the complete book, whatever person arrives at, well then, these have got to fit in, uh, Kind of like a, uh, like your hand in a glove. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe and share with a friend. Be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord.